I get those goosebumps every time. I just have to get the big fella off the bench. Oh Could this be their last chance now? In it comes, Monster to the ground! He's gone! Oh, Monster, he's gone! I'm waiting on you. Is it waiting on you? I get those goosebumps every time. I need the hind to throw that to the side. I get those goosebumps every time. Yeah, when you're not around, when you throw that to the side. I get those goosebumps every time, yeah, 713 Gonna play one, yeah, I'm riding Why they on me? Why they on me? I'm flying I'm sipping low-key I'm sipping low-key and high, yeah, it's my rider I get those goosebumps every time stuff good stuff good evening everyone and welcome to loaded mag nfc we are back again for another talk of the tune and uh yeah um i've been feeling all right the last few days uh, after our our recent period in the international before the last international break um but that's how have you been how's things i'll go with me ladies and gentlemen we are live Oh, yes. I like it. Yeah, I have all these little things here that I upload about. I forget to use them. I'm good. I'm good. But look at look who's, look who's there sitting in the green room. What time do you call this, Mr. Chris Hall? Um, oh. I'm, I'm good, Pete. I'm all good with Pete. All good with Pete. All good in the hood. Chris, how are you? I'm all right, mate. Yeah, I'm good. I'm um, just, yeah, apologies for my uh, delayed start. I know I'm normally very on close to the wire as it is, but yeah, I was running a little bit late this evening. I've literally just had something to eat, currently in a, a hotel in London. Um, so yeah, busy day, but um, really looking forward to tonight's show. It doesn't have one of those uh, light-up headboards that you showed us before, does it? No, no. Do you know what? I'll show you my background. Yeah, disappointing. I was gutted I couldn't come on last time because my background was brilliant. Um, it was. It was brilliant. Only you saw it. Only you saw it. Uh, hang on. Yeah, it's a little bit boring tonight. It's just, yeah. you know, it's all right. It's nice. But yeah, it's just. It'll do. Standard. It'll do, Chris. Standards. Yeah, yeah. It'll yeah. do. It's nice. How are you boys anyway? You scored? Oh, good. good. All good, and already lots of people in the chat um, as well. We have got the likes of David, uh, David Tofield, uh, uh, Domsday. Uh, great to have you in there, Jules as well, and uh, Les. Great to have you in there uh, in the chat as always. Wes, um, Wes, nice to see Wes in the chat. David Cook, um, I saw you liked uh, the show earlier, and of course our spanners. We've got Tom. And Lisa, welcome everyone, and many more as they're trolling through. But look, um, there's a reason why we're here. There's a reason why it's talk of the tune, and it's the the main man, uh, Mr. Jordan Cronin, uh, and he's here, uh, one of the three Jordy Journo. So, Daz, come on, let's get him in. Why not? I have a little button I could use for that as well. Here's a new challenger. Jordy <laughs> Journal's in the house. Here he is. Here he is. <laughs> hey Jordan, how's it going? 
Yeah, good lads. Long time no see. Good Definitely. to see you. Great to have you on. Great to have you on. And look, I know you've been uh, very, very busy over the last few weeks. Uh, living the life, uh, I imagine, with all these fantastic matches uh, against some of the best teams around. But look, just uh, first of all, how are things with you? And secondly, I just want you to assess um, this. And it is sort of our last seven games. Um, uh, you look at those results, uh, there's some fantastic results and some historic results, maybe some results where we think mm, could have possibly done um, slightly better. But first of all, how are you? And secondly, how do you assess this second period of the season so far? Yeah, so first of all, I want to apologise for an extremely red face because I just came out of the shower about five minutes ago. Um, <laughs> I'm really in this room as well, so I'll probably have this permanent red face for the rest of the show. Um, no, uh, no, personally, it's been obviously very busy. Uh, three games a week since the return from the last international break, but you know, can't complain. Obviously, beating uh, some unbelievable places. Is uh, Milan being the main one? Um, seeing us seeing PSG at home, but you know, it, it's been an incredible turnaround from from that Brighton game. Um, I felt I felt really low after that Brighton game, and it was strange because look, only only three games into a season, four games into a season at the time. But it, it, it did have felt like we were at the end of the world at the time because nothing was nothing seemed to be clicking, especially the new signings. Um, you know, there's a lot of debate around, you know, have Newcastle signed the, the right players, you know, have, have they immediately approved the start 11? We've had them conversations before the international break and then, of course, they come back and, you know, the, to remain unbeaten since the last international break. And, you know, and, and putting in, factoring in three games like that as well a week, it's, it's a remarkable run. They've been stretched as well over the last couple of weeks with with obviously injuries, picking up injuries as you'd expect in terms of a in terms of a busy schedule. But you know the turnaround has been has, has been incredible, and maybe we shouldn't have doubted this team because you know they've they've constantly overachieved and outperformed for the last eighteen months or so. So yeah, they've certainly proved everyone wrong uh, coming back after after the break. Some top class performances there. The Brentford game, they just need to get a win for that one on the return. I compared it last season to the to the uh, to the Brentford game. Oh no, sorry, it wasn't Brentford. Wolves, sorry. So they had that poor run going into the Carabao Cup final. Obviously, lost to Manchester City as well, and they just need to get a result. And they managed to to scrape a result against Wolves at the time, and then that set them on a run where they end up getting top four. Uh, and that Brentford game felt a little bit like that as well. Um, obviously a really a really tight game in the end that they managed to get through. And then they just built on confidence from there. Um great point in Milan. Perhaps fortunate to get a point in the end because Milan did pep out a goal. But you've also got to praise the defensive performance well to, to keep a keep a clean sheet. You know, a lot of people going to Milan were probably looking all right, yeah, they're you know, they're in pot three. But if you look at their runner form now, Milan are actually top of the the, the Italian league. So to get a point on on the in, in the San Siro. Huge stays, big occasion for Newcastle. The atmosphere there was was electric. To come away from a point uh, was was a great result. And then obviously they've, they've, they've just came on leaps and bounds since then. Eight 0 at Sheffield United. <laughs> you know, I never, I never ever thought I would see Newcastle team scoring eight goals in one game. I never thought I would see eight different Newcastle scorers in one game as well. So um, that was that was an amazing day, amazing thing to witness. And obviously uh, the Carabao Cup, you can throw in there as well. Obviously, along with the, the results against uh, Burnley, and there's honestly been so many games. I'm trying to try to track back how many Premier League games I've actually played. 
Here we but, go. There you yeah, go. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, <we're going. laughs> uh, yeah, Burnley in there. Look, the, the Man City game as well. To to get a result against the Man City team, okay, they what they weren't full strength either, but you know, you're literally playing with the back line of Jamal Sells and Paul Dummett, which no disrespect to them. Particularly with Paul Dummett as well, hadn't played a game for, for 12 months. And uh, he put in a he, well, he rolled back the years. He was with good, wasn't he? He was good. Yeah. So, you know, Tino Livermento likes a uh, likes a Tino Livermento came in for that game as well. Thought he was thought he was brilliant. I just feel like I'm rambling here. Sorry, lads. I just feel like I'm rambling for all these games. Um, but no, obviously it all it all builds up the Paris Saint Germain game. Uh, what a night! Still now, component of words. What that result? Well, just the whole experience, the occasion. I've never, I've never heard St James's Park like that in terms of atmosphere for a long, long time. It was at St James's Park is low, but it was a different level that night. The, the war flags beforehand, the Champions League music, and then the noise when Amron scored the opener. Wow, I've, I've gen- generally never heard a roar like that inside St James's Park ever. Now, look, you might be able to compare it likes of Barcelona '97. Obviously, I was, I was still. I, don't, I think I was. I think I was only just born, or maybe wasn't born. I think it was a couple of months before. Um, so, so, I can't, so I can't compare. I feel old. I feel old. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't really compare it to that, but uh, it was just, it was just a really, really special night, and it, it's a night that I live long with everyone. You know, this people talk about Barcelona '97. I do feel that that Paris Saint Germain game was uh, the Barcelona for, for my generation, uh, the people born after '97. So, no, it's, it's just been a really, really good run. Would have been nice if I had a held out against West Ham for three points. Obviously, got themselves in a great position to, to do that. Um, but I think on reflection, of the game, it, it was a draw was a fair result. Newcastle probably played well for twenty minutes in that game and managed to, and managed to pick up a point. So they extended the beaten run, unbeaten run to seven. And can you really complain about that? No, you can't. So um, yeah, it, it feels a lot more positive around Newcastle at the moment, and obviously still a lot more big games to come as well. I'm sure the feel good factor will continue in weeks to come because when you you know, hosting likes Brucey Dortmund at home, then you're going away at Brucey Dortmund. Even the Carabao Cup as well. They've got all these big games against big teams. That, that, that and I just relish it. Bring it on. It's uh, it is. It's it's nice to see Newcastle United compete on the highest level. Yeah, exactly that. A great way to finish uh, um, that assessment of the last sort of seven games, Jordan, because. It is is that we are sort of relishing any team that that we're playing against now, and I think that's um, that that tells you everything you need to know about where the team are. But uh, just before we we do talk a little bit about a little bit more about West Ham, because uh, there's some like, specifics that I want to kind of get from yourself, Jordan. Um, Chris, does I come to you because I don't think we've really talked about it, um, and and obviously the the assessment that kind of Jordan's gone through. With, with, with some of the games and, and the way in which we've performed. Now, what has been, and I'll start with you, Chris, what, what has been the biggest kind of turnaround that you've seen, where it's something small, something big in your eyes, just from watching the games, from that first part of the season, obviously where you know, we beat Villa, then we went on three sort of straight sort of defeats, right. to now in this last sort of seven games, what is kind of like something that you've kind of think, right, you know what? That's something I've noticed. It's been different. Yeah. <laughs> As you started answering that, asking that question, I was thinking, Jesus, that's a good question, that. And I was desperately trying to trying to think of something, Pete, before you finished your question. But actually, it's it, it's quite easy for me. 
Um, so the the one thing that sticks out for me, um, which has kind of seen the upturn in fortune, I'd say, is probably Sean Longstaff. Um, I think Sean Longstaff provides that stability. I think he balances our midfield, and ultimately he brings the best out in Bruno. Uh, and we've we've seen that in Bruno over the last few games has been utterly brilliant. And I we've spoke about this on the channel, haven't we, boys? As a, as a as a collection, you know, we've all been saying this the last few weeks that. Uh, Sean Longstaff's role at Newcastle, probably by all of us at some point, has been underestimated. Um, because when Sean Longstaff's not in this team, we don't quite tick as well. And I, I find that the team as a whole doesn't perform as well, particularly the midfield area. Um, Sean Longstaff being in that midfield really gives us the balance that we need. And, you know, we, we, we've we've gone into detail on it, haven't we, Pete, on a couple of occasions. And Daz, you know, we, we, we've looked at it on away days. We've looked at it in reaction shows. And I think I think it's even just small things like Sean Longstaff knows where to be. He's very unselfish. He he you know he does a job for the team, and he allows players to kind of venture forward and do what they need to do. And he will just quite happily slot in there. And he'll sacrifice himself and his own game to make sure that you know things are kind of ticking over nicely. And I think I think it's fair to say as well that we kind of saw that in that run where, you know, when Sean Longstaff's not in that midfield, the balance isn't quite right. So for me, this this one of games, I, I do think a large part of it is down to Sean Longstaff and his unselfish play and, you know, bringing out the best and of, of the likes of uh, Bruno and, and Sandro Tonali as well, you know, because Sandro Tonali's still learning the ropes. Um, and I think having someone like Sean Longstaff in there who knows what it means to play for Newcastle, who knows the ropes, knows knows how it all works, um, it can it can only be a good thing. Daz, are you of the same mindset with Chris with regards to Sean Longstaff? I mean, yeah, he's definitely had an upturn in form. Or is there is there something else that kind of stands out for you? And people in the chat as well put what you think has been something of a, uh, that's kind of helped this turnaround. But Daz, is there anything that stands out for you? No, my answer would have been uh, John Langstaff as well. Like, if you start look at the start of the season, there was pictures going around about, oh, this is the best midfield in the Premier League, uh, and it was Tonali, Bruno, and Joe Linton, and no one gave gave Langstaff a look in. Um, and look, we're guilty of it ourselves. That's what we thought as well. That that's what it would would be. Mm. And uh, yeah, it just became a more apparent that we're missing what Langstaff does. That does the things that goes unseen. Does all the running is in both boxes. Uh, doesn't always score. Uh, yeah. Either can miss can miss a lot, a lot of chances at times. It can be frustrating in that flash, but it's it's the other thing. See, he mops up everything. He covers for Bruno, and they got that kind of little. Um, we, we we used to see where Bruno there was no one covering when Bruno went forward. Um, Tunali and, and Bruno would go forward, and there was no one there to mop up. But that's where where Langstaff slots in, and it, it just goes unnoticed. So he he's been the the difference maker in in, in the turnaround. Um, Coupled with a few more things like Trippy being absolutely unbelievable, and, and and every game he plays, he gets better. Like uh, it's it's like you you could give every man the match to Trippy because he's been he's, he's brilliant in, in in every game. But you kind of just come to expect it now at this stage. But yeah, there's 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 little things and it's all kind of ticked together. But yeah, the the, the key point was bringing bringing long stuff back in. Yeah, definitely. Craig Lee's put an interesting point in there. Uh, further down, he's put. Uh, it didn't help having a, a, a not fit, fully fit uh, Joe Linton in the side before the break. The kid's a warrior, but shouldn't have been playing. I think that's interesting. Look, we talked about it on the review. You, um, Jordan, you were there. You would have seen it. Against Brighton, you could tell within five minutes he was not fit. 
Like he was not fit to play the game. And when you've not got him, like his lung busting runs, his his battling ability, when you're just when you're just like going through the motions, which he was on that day, and, and that's a really good point, Craig, that um it does affect the rest of the team. Um you know, I'll I'll throw a little bit in there. I agree with with, with both of you boys with regards to Sean Longstaff. Um I just think the squad has really stepped up. So the you you boys have talked about it. Paul Dummett, um, he was he was superb uh, against Man City. And mm-hmm. look, you were very friendly with your assessment, Jordan, that, that then rested a few players. They only rested Haaland. That team would play in the Premier League and, and has played in the Premier League that we beat at St. James's Park in the Cup. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think um, having Alvarez up top, I think it was, and Doku running at him and Grealish running at him, he just lapped it up and he he embraced it. And I thought he was brilliant. The Jamal LaSalle's as well. Um, and a number of others that are coming into the job. Elliot Anderson's coming into the job here and there. Um, fair play to because they've all stepped up. And I think I genuinely thought that some of the squad players that were getting minutes, I thought that would be our downfall and it hasn't been. They've actually stepped up to the plate. And that's that's been a really big positive um, for, for us, I think, in addition to... To Sean Longstaff, um, and it just goes to show with Sean Longstaff, um, you know, we we sometimes we overlook the impact that he has on the team. Uh, I, I think you boys will all agree. Um, we did it last season. We we yeah. underestimated his importance last season, and then you went to, we went to Villa Park and got absolutely hammered without it. Uh, it just showed his importance. But um, going back to the West Ham game, um, so you touched on West Ham, you know. I've watched I've watched the Jordi Jarno's video. I've seen your assessment. It it was yeah. We'll take a point pretty much through gritted teeth on your from your perspective, Jordan. I think Leo was more kind of uh, accepting of the point. Um, but look, uh, surely when it's two one, eighty eight minutes gone, you're thinking surely three points are in the bag, mate. Yeah, no, it, it did. It felt like the Newcastle were comfortable in the game, and then it was just the. To be fair, that the two goals of conceded were really poor defensively. Um, the first goal in particular, obviously, the ball goes over past Jamal Lascelles, who who's in no man's land, and then Nick Pope comes running out. Now I'm not sure why he did it. I think West Ham might have scored anyway, but it just looked a bit daft on Nick Pope's part of the fact that he's made a burst and run out and been left in no man's land like Jamal Lascelles, and obviously give uh, Suchek an, an open goal. Um, and that in that first half they were really flat and it was it was a it was a Champions League hangover. I know it's a you know it's a cliche, but it, you could tell that they were they were sort of zapped of energy in the in the first half. Um you know, they found a second wind for 20 minutes in that in that second half. Whatever Eddie Howe said at half time, I know he wasn't too pleased with his uh, half time assessment of the players. So obviously they came out firing, if you like, Alexandra Isaac with uh with two goals. Both good moves for the well, I say the second one was a good move, sorry, in terms of uh, Bruno about a trippy, our trippy, our first time cross. Isaac uh, in the right place at the right time. And yeah, it, it did have felt like they'd done enough to, to get three points, but they just switched off defensively in the closing stages. I've seen a comment there from Yano about Sean Longstaff's role in the, in, the, in the second goal. I don't want to you know call out people for hours and stuff because I don't think the players deserve that. I think they've been an unbelievable run, run in the. In the you know, perhaps forgive them for for that. But Sean Longstaff was opening uh, fault for the goal, or one of the faults for the goal, because he was dragged too far up the pitch. 
left uh, a gap in the middle where Bruno got dragged in uh, and then obviously left the, the West Ham goal score free in the edge of the box. So, yeah, it was just it was just a, a lapse of defensive concentration, which has ultimately cost them. But as I say, I, I, I forgive them for that because, you know, this, let's, not, let's not play this down. I think they've played, it was seven games in 23 days or 28 days, one of the two. Wrote that the day I should probably remember it, but it, it's a lot of it's a lot of games for a, for a squad that's been stretched over the last couple of weeks. Lost some really big players to injury. Obviously, you mentioned Joe Linton there about you know they can't they can't get him fit at the minute in and out. Obviously, had that knee injury, came back against Man City, unbelievable performance, and then comes on for two minutes against Burnley and ends up going off with a hamstring injury. That was a big blow. Mm. Um, obviously, Harvey Barnes for that West Ham game, they didn't they didn't really have a left winger. Obviously, uh, Anthony Gordon banned. They played Elliot Anderson there. And I think Elliot Anderson this time last year would have been really suited for that left-wing role. But I think he's been coached constantly behind the scenes by Eddie Howe to play the number eight role. And he did look like a midfielder on the left-hand side for, for most parts of that game. I think he came alive a bit, little bit in the second half when the rest of the players did. But I think uh, I think he's much better suited to a, to a left-wing, uh, sorry, a centre-mid position now. So they were, they were left light. And it was, I felt... Going into the game against West Ham, it was a it was a game too far for them, um, but they managed to get a, a point. And look, West Ham had a good start the season as well. I'm sure they'll be up the top off the season, challenging because um, I think they've got a really really good squad. You look at the options off the bench in the closing stages. West Ham had a better bench than Newcastle uh, in terms of attacking options, and that's because Newcastle have lost players to to injury. So. The international breaks come at a really, really good time. It'll, it'll give them time to get a couple of players back. Obviously, get Callum Wilson back up to speed again. Uh, Sven Botman back. And, of course, Anthony Gordon as, as well. Um, there's someone else in there as well who's who's going to come back after the break. Will, Wilson, uh, Willock, sorry. Joe Linton. Uh, I'm not sure I'm Willock. I think he might be back in training, but I don't think we'll, I don't think we'll see him for the uh, Crystal Palace game. But, Joe Linton, think he'll be back? Yeah, I think I think Jordan will be back. Callum Wilson will obviously be uh, back as well. It's probably good that he didn't go away with England. So, uh, it's the same a lot of players, really. I mean, you know, I was calling for uh, Anthony Gordon to get a call up, particularly when Bakayo Saka pulled out the score on the week. But from a selfish point of view, do you really want Anthony Gordon going on international duty when he hasn't he hasn't stopped since the summer? He, you know, he played that tournament in England in twenty ones, played the tournament, had a really good tournament, carried that momentum on. I think he's deserved a little bit of a rest. So I think he's had a little bit of a rest at the start this week and uh, you know, went abroad and, and got a couple of uh, some downtime. And obviously I think that'll benefit him and he'll, he'll come back come back stronger. But yeah, the international breaks come at a good time. They'll get players back and uh, I'm sure they'll be firing for, for Crystal Palace and obviously the games that come after that as well. The questions are coming thick and fast in the chat, and we will get to those questions in just a second. If you haven't already, uh, a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, TNCs, as you boys like to call it, on Jordy Journos. Uh, <laughs> make sure you hit the likes. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. We're on the way to 7K. Come and join us. And whilst you're there, Jordy Journos, uh, give them a subscribe as well and check out their videos. Great content from the boys, um, Jordan, Dom, and Liam. Um, I wanted to ask you because you you mentioned quite rightly, you know, it's not about blaming individuals um, in, in that situation, particularly with the second goal. Um, but what do you make of some of the stick that this man, Sandro Tonali, has been getting, particularly after um, his involvement in that goal um, on Sunday? Um, in general, like you know, do, do you think 
Do you think the fans, and I say fans, a small section of the fans are being harsh on, on Tonali? You know, what have you made of him in this second period of the season so far? Um, and what do you expect from him uh, in the next period? Yeah, so Tonali, uh, so I'm, I'm going to say straight away, I think individually, a very, very good technical player. Tenacious, just a really good all-round player. But I think it, it's taken him time to adapt to this system. Um, I think if you had when we signed Tenali in the summer, if you had have asked me eight games in, where do you think Tenali will be? I'd say I think he'd be up to speed. But he hasn't yet. He, he hasn't gone up to speed yet. And look, I think that it's probably harsh to criticise a player on that because he's came a new country, new league, new language. You know, it, it, it's a lot. It's it really difficult for, for a player to, to adapt so quickly. I think Bruno did it quite seamlessly in the end, but some players take time, and Tenali up me needs time. Um, how do I rate his performances so far? Again, we've we've seen glimpses. The Aston Villa game, excellent that game. You know, after that game, fifty-two million pound looked a, looked an absolute bargain because he dominated dominated that game that midfield. Um, I thought he was good against Paris. I thought he was. Um, I thought he looked a lot more at home for the for probably the first time since that uh, first game against Aston Villa, and then look, uh, he got he's obviously he's dropped out the Premier League start eleven in, in recent weeks. Elliot Anderson preferred give a shout out to him for being really good, Elliot Anderson, but uh, it's just given opportunity to Nolly to watch on and and, and learn. And he got his uh, he got his start against West Ham, and again, it, he just looks like a player that needs uh, needs time to adapt. I thought. First half he was poor, but that that's that goes for everyone else as well. Um, mm-hmm. Every other player on the pitch didn't have a great first half, and then he switched switched sides. Uh, he went along to the shot last swapped with Sean Longstaff. Obviously went down the side with with Trippy on <laughs> and looked a much better player for it. Um, I thought again I, I talked about twenty minute periods. I thought Tenali was very good in that twenty minute period when Newcastle turned it around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if I had to sort of assess his time so far, I'd probably probably give him a sort of a six out of six out of ten. Um, I'll be honest, I probably did expect more from him at this stage. But that's that's no criticism on the player. As I say, he just he just he's clearly a lad that needs time to adapt. Uh, and I think from what we've seen in the game so far, there's makings of a very very good player. Um, so I understand some of the criticism because you can only judge it how it is and. Look, has has Tenali really impressed in his first few games at Newcastle? Probably not. But as I say, I would caveat caveat that with that you'll you'll grow to be a very good good player after this football club. I've got no doubt about it. Daz, are you are you worried that uh, that Tenali maybe hasn't hit the ground running um, as Jordan said? Because obviously, from, from Jordan's perspective, he would have expected, as he's mentioned, him to be up and running. Is it a worry for you? Um, have you seen signs of life? You know, what what what, what are you making of Tenali um at Newcastle? No, I'm not worried uh, at all. Um we, we identified um Tonali back about two years ago, if you remember, uh when we when we picked him out of, of uh the, the crowd there a long time ago. But um no, not worried. Uh it, look, Eddie Howe said in the press conferences as well that he that he hasn't had an awful lot of training with, with the team uh, as well. And he started the, the first game of the season he scored uh, as well, if you remember that. And we, we I think we were we were just probably all uh, I think it's a case of that 
a player coming with with a, a big price tag, people just expect it that he's just going to slot in there and that's it. Uh, he's just going to be automatic starter and take everything, take the whole new country, whole new language, whole new league, all, all on board all at once. But it, it's going to take time. Um, and we said, we, I think we said it at the end of the stand game. Look, look at look at uh, Anthony Gordon, who's young as well, and came, it was uh, speaks English, is is English, and, and and was already playing in the Premier League. It took him time to just to the way that Newcastle play and what Eddie Howe expects. So give him time um, and. I think the second half of the season we'll, we'll see more from Tonali, but I, I, I've been I've been impressed with what I've seen. But I, yeah, we expect more, uh, and but more will come from Tonali. I've no doubt about that. That says, Chris, we, we, we want to see more. We, we expect to see more, and um, and he's right. Is there anything that you think he should be doing more of on the pitch to maybe um, you know take his performances from? The six that kind of Jordan's given him to like the the eight and the nine certainly in our ratings. Although our ratings get shut on every week, <laughs> we're wrong no matter what we give them. So it don't really matter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But no, but from your perspective, um, what what does Sandro Tonali need to do in order to kind of you know up his game in the next in the third section of the season? Hmm. I think to be fair, Pete, I think it's it's hard to pinpoint a particular thing. I think I think your assessment at the start was was really accurate, you know, in terms of getting used to Eddie House system, getting used to the pace of the Premier League. Really, it's all very general things. Like I, I don't look at Sandro Tonali's performances or Sandro Tonali as an individual and think, you know, he doesn't do that enough or he should be doing this or he should be doing that. I think it's just I think he will flourish. The more time he spends in the Premier League, the more time, you know, he gets used to his new surroundings. Obviously, you know, he's moved his family over from Italy, um, his boy old club. I just think sometimes players take a little bit of time to settle. And I think we're seeing that. I mean, obviously, you know, in recent times, like Bruno Gomeres, we got really lucky because uh, he just kind of hit the ground running and he was brilliant as soon as he came. But, you know, if you if you look back, you know, over, I mean, what, two that sprang to mind when you, when you first asked the question, you know, uh, Fabrizio Colaccini and Jose Enrique, they took a little bit of time to settle and it was only in the second season or I think it was, I think it was the second season or maybe 18 yeah, months on. Championship yeah. season. Yeah. And, and they were absolutely fantastic. Like Jose Enrique at left-back was regarded as like the best player in the championship and you never really hear that about a left-back. That, that's how impressive he was. Um, and then he and then he followed that up when he came into the Premier League and that's why Liverpool snapped him up. You know, it Sometimes players take a little bit of time to develop. And I think with Sandro, Jordan Jordan was right, you know, when he said that all the talent's there, you can see it. You can see he, he's a baller and you can see that, you know, there's a lot more to come. And I think it's just about us being patient with him, not pushing in too much, not putting too much expectation on him, which is very easy to do because when you pay such an amount for a player, you think you're getting, you know, the, the finished article, ready to rock and roll, sometimes it just doesn't quite pan out like that uh people need time and space and i i i don't have any doubts that sandra tonali will come good I, it's just about when for me i mean i i've been you know i've been i've been defending him uh, for my liverpool and everton mates and also my tottenham mates in work he, he but what i find interesting is they all hone in on Sandro Tonali. Like, you know, if we don't do very well or, you know, if something isn't quite going out, it's like, oh, Sandro Tonali, oh, what a waste of money. But they keep bringing him up. And I think, well, you're bringing him up because you know that he's going to be really, really good soon. Because if they, if they thought he was an absolute flop, 
I don't even think he would come into the conversation. But it's the fact that they keep bringing him up and bringing him up and going, oh, maybe maybe you, you know you should sell him on. Maybe it's not going to work out and just all stuff like that. But I know it's because he he's in their head rent free. I know I know they know he's a player. I know that. Um, and you know we've we've just got to wait. Uh, and when Sandro Tonali comes good, I think he's going to become really good. None, none of them, none of them wanted Newcastle United to buy him. You look at Liverpool, you look at Chelsea, the the, the fighting they did over Casido and um, Lavia, and you know the amount of money that they were throwing at those two players, and then we sneak in early doors and get Sandro Tonali for fifty million. They were seething, seething. Yeah. Hate yeah. the fact that we've got him. Um, but I'm with you, boys. Um, not worried at all. Um, what we don't need to be worried about is this. He's rapid. <laughs> <laughs> he is rapid. Look at that. Look at that. Uh, did, you see, um, did you see? Um, did you see? What's the sprinter's name uh, from Jamaica? Um, you say balls. You say balls. Yeah, the little pictures of uh, Tunali ahead of him in in the hundred meters. <laughs> right. He's coming. He's coming. Yeah, and we thought Gordon was fast. Jeez, uh, Sandro Tonali, and, and he, he was very good against PSG. I was really impressed with him. That's the mm. kind of Sandro Tonali we expect. Not worried at all. What I love about it, before we come to questions for Jordan, what I love about Sandro Tonali is that he's honest. I loved in his press conference before this, the AC Milan game when they asked him, and he said, it's took me a while to settle in. Settle in. Like, it's, it's not been easy. It's not easy for a player to say that player that's been signed for big money to say you know what it's been difficult he said that and i like the honesty and with that i feel that we as a as a fan base need to give the boy time because he's been open and honest with us so we should respect that honesty and give him the time to settle we have all this talk from other clubs because their italians haven't set him within the league and i'm getting all oh, italians don't settle in england blah, blah blah this boy will settle and he is determined to settle. Um, he's not talking about missing home or or this, that, and the other. He's focused on Newcastle United, but he just needs to get up to speed. Once his English is there, once he understands the way in which we play, he'll be fine. And what I actually think, lastly, is that him playing back-to-back games was a big plus for me. Playing against PSG and then playing against West Ham. he That hasn't happened before. It's been play, rest, play, rest. That filled me with confidence that he's going in the right direction. Firstly, that he's fit. And secondly, that Eddie Howe trusts him to play back-to-back games. That maybe fills me with confidence that we might see a little bit more of him at the level we want him to moving forward. But um, great opinions, as always, with Sandro Tonali. Another quick housekeeping. Click the likes, click the subscribe um, as well. And uh, Daz... Chris, um, have we got something else special tonight uh, happening later on in the show? Yes, we do. Um, we're going to have a members draw, but Chris, you tell us more about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so we've had, it's long overdue, and we've been talking, haven't we, for a while, lads, about having a members draw. Um, so, yes, we're going to be doing a members draw shortly, and it is my responsibility now, once I find the poster, to explain to you how you would become a member if you wish to be. So the membership is one one ninety nine a month, 
And if you become a member of the Loaded Ultra family, as we call ourselves now, um, you will be eligible to be part of these draws. And as I say, it's it's really nice uh, that we, you know, we've got a fantastic set of members, and we really appreciate everyone who signs up, and it really supports the channel. And um, so, please know that we fully appreciate it. And we are planning to be trying to do a draw every month. Um, so if you are a member, you will be in the members draw. You will be part of the spinny wheel. And by the way, what I also didn't mention, um, if you would like to become a member, you will need to do it. Um, you can, I, I don't believe you can do it on a mobile phone. I think you've got to do it on a tablet or a laptop or PC. Um, so you'll see there, there's a little blue button which says join. And that is how you become a member of the Loaded family. Superb stuff. Yeah, the ultras. They are the ultras. The, ultras, the zebra the ultras. logo. Yes, <laughs> love it. <laughs> That's uh, what questions have we got? Uh, oh, we, we've I've just seen a couple of them, and they are fantastic questions. Yeah, they're mm, great. That's mm. why I said. I think we'll have to do two rounds of questions. Yeah, uh, right, Jordan. Rapid fire. We'll, we'll, we'll throw some at you. Um, some good comments as good well, um, so that we can turn into questions. Uh, okay, from Tom Dixon. He asked the question, the question for Jordan, in the January window, What, uh, which position do you want to reinforce first? And someone else makes reference to as well. Uh, yeah, I know, um, I know. Well, yeah, Wes Fullerton says, do you think our, our next recruitment would be a striker or a center half? Or something different? It's your, it's your choice, Gordon. Or Jordan? <laughs> Gordon? <laughs> Gordon? <laughs> Gordon. <laughs> Honestly, it's been so long, you forgot my name. Um, <laughs> uh, question, yeah, answer to that. So, not so both positions named there by Wes would be the two positions I would say. Um, I think we'll, I think we'll probably go on our six month of outside in the striker, um, and then potentially look at that area in, in the summer. Centre half, I think. Look, you, you've seen. Seen with uh, Sven Botman getting injured, obviously Jamal Lascelles has came in, and and look, I think Jamal Lascelles has done a done a great job coming into the, the team. Um, look, he's got, I, I know he's got critics among the fan base, but uh, I'm a big Jamal Lascelles fan just purely for what he's done for the for the football club. Um, he's look, he, he was a bit iffy against West Ham. If you like, you wouldn't look to blame him for the f first goal, but I think to ask a player who hasn't played for essentially twelve months to play three games. On the bounce, was it was actually four games on the bounce. I think was it three? It was three or four anyway. Which is it, it's a big set of games for for a player that hasn't played. Um, and I think he was probably one of the ones feeling it towards the end of that that, that run against West Ham. So, um, but anyway, yeah, it, I think obviously they do need an upgrade on on Jamal Sales. I think uh, I think most people know that. Um, it's just about what opportunities come up come up in the window. I think that they might potentially look for a, for a right right wing now as well and uh, to help uh, challenge Miguel Almiron. But what I would say on that is keep an eye on uh, Yankuba Minte at uh, Feyenoord because well. uh, he's he is he is doing well. I, I think from what I read somewhere, I think he came under a little bit of criticism from the Dutch media on on Saturday because he, he decided to shoot in a situation rather than pass. Or, or it, was, it was something like that. Um, but if you look at what he's done so far, I think it's eight games in the league. I think he started five of those. Uh, played played in the Champions League, which is unbelievable. It's vital experience. So I think watch his development, and if he does really well in uh, in the Netherlands, then he might he probably will be the the right winger signing that people 
in the summer because as we've seen with Dan Ashworth at Brighton, Brighton have done that historically in terms of signing players, sending them out on loan for a season. And next thing you know, they pop up in the start 11 and you say, who's that? Well, actually, they signed this player a year ago and this has been a year in the making. Brighton's unbelievable for that. Um, every, every season there's a player that pop, pops up at Brighton yeah. start 11 and I'm like, I've got no idea who that is and then turns out to be uh, very, very good at this level. So, yeah, maybe start off is would it will probably be the priority position they'd look at in, in the summer. Uh, sorry, in January. Yeah. Can I can I okay. jump off the back of that, Jordan? Just dead quick. Uh, I don't want to hog the time because I know we've got we've only got a limited amount of time with you. But um, on the two very quick questions. So the first one is: um, Do you think us bringing in a new striker will be dependent on Callum Wilson in any way in his future? And then my second question was going to be. How long do you think it will be? And again, this I'm not trying to create a witch hunt here, but how long do you think it will be before we look to sign a goalkeeper? Uh, so the strike question, what is it dependent on Callum Wilson? Yeah, it is. Um, and it could also be dependent on Alexandra Isaac if uh, if he continues in the form he is. Because... No, 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 no. Oh. <laughs> No, 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 no. Don't, don't do this. Don't do this. It would take it would take huge money for Newcastle to sell Alexandra Isa. But look, if if he's scoring goals in the Champions League, and it's talk of Real Madrid having a look at them, they'll put the money on the table. Of course, they will. Like, look, let look. Newcastle Newcastle's progress has been unbelievable. But let's not think that we can hold on to players when the likes of Real Madrid come calling. We're still we're still only two years in this project. Real Madrid hold a lot over Newcastle, as do all our European clubs as well. So I'm not I'm not saying Alexandra Isaac is going to leave, but I'm saying don't don't hide from the fact that if a big European club comes in and puts money down the table, the play, the player might not, you know, the player might want to might want to go. Um, no, no. As you put in your article, um I think it might <laughs> yesterday. Real Madrid, you, you don't want him, lads. He's always injured. Don't worry, don't, don't worry. Harlan's there somewhere. He, he's all right. You know. <laughs> no, Chris Wood, go for him instead. The one ex ex Newcastle striker, Chris Wood, is your man. I, 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 yeah, I, don't, want, I don't want people. In, I don't want people in the chat here thinking that I'm, uh, I'm offloading Alexandra Isaac next nah, summer. Yeah, it's not what I'm saying, but I'm just saying in, in a potential scenario because there has been talk of Real Madrid monitoring both Isaac and Bruno. Um, Obviously, Bruno release clause there. I know I've seen a, I've seen a, a negative reaction to the Bruno clause, saying, "Oh, why is it in there?" And no player player clearly wants to go. But what it does is, is it, if a player wants Bruno, there's no hardball. It's there's the price, pay it or you don't get him. And look, yeah. if Newcastle get a hundred plus million off Bruno, that's a lot of money to go and reinvest it in the squad. So um, I understand the logic of the, the release clause. Um, and yeah, uh, Isaac obviously. Might not go. That's not what I'm saying. I don't. I don't want to cause panic to the uh, to you guys and the, those in the chat. I'm just saying likely scenario. But yeah, strike. I mean, Callum Wilson's probably the probably the most likely because uh, I, I don't know his contract situation to be honest. I think I think it expires at the end of this season. But I don't know if there's been a clause where it activates a, a extra year. I'm not sure. It's uh, it's quite a grey area. Wilson's contract. So. I think he's fine for the next couple of seasons, but I think there might come a time where he's he's quite desperate to play football, quite openly voices his frustrations as playing backup. Um, so if Isaac continues to, to 
just thought ahead of him that he might look to go elsewhere for the, for the sake of his career. But what I would say on that is Callum Wilson probably doesn't get better than what he's getting now. Like, you know, you're rotating and you're going to get games because you're playing three games a week and, you you know, the pinnacle of Callum Wilson's career is going to be playing in the Champions League. Um, yeah. yeah. Daddy will look after him. Uh, yeah. If anyone watches the Footballers Football podcast, <laughs> Antonio refers to Eddie Howe as daddy. Uh, daddy will look after him. He'll give, he'll give him enough minutes. Go on, go on, sorry. Go on. Oh, yeah, I was, I was going to say there was a second question in there from Chris and I've completely forgot it because I've been absolutely oh, the last five all, minutes. All it was, mate, was um, just to ask how long before you think we'll look to bring a goalkeeper in. And again, I'm I'm weirding, I'm phrasing it like that because I'm not trying to create a witch hunt. I'm just interested to see your thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, it could be the end of the season. Mm. I think, I love, I, honestly, I love Nick Pope. Unbelievable shot stopper. If you put Nick Pope in the sort of the 1980s, 1990s, he would be viewed as one of the best ever goalkeepers because just of his shot stopping. But now the game has changed so much in terms of the goalkeeper, in terms of the playing out from the back. Now, Manchester United literally got rid of David De Gea to, to bring in Onana just because he could play better with his, with his feet. But it turns out Onana actually can't save a shot. So, you value someone more who can play football, but you value someone who can use these. I think I'd rather use these when I'm in goal. And that's the thing, and that's the thing, boys, is that my, I'll be honest, my opinion's changed after really after after, after seeing Onana. Onana, yeah, Onana was considered one of the best, if not the best, in the world with his feet. Um, after the likes of Edison. Okay, mm-hmm. they've gone out all out to get him, and they thought their goalkeeping situation sorted. It's worse because he's not a shot stopper. Uh, the question I've got for, for you guys, and we don't have to talk about it now, it's, it's another time. Is that I think this will run down the line, and we'll continue to talk about this. What do we want from a goalkeeper? Do we want them to be a good distributor, or do we want them to be able to save save the day, save the day with good saves? If we can find a middle ground, if we can. Find the middle, that's perfect. But I yeah. personally don't see anyone out there that's available next summer that we can go out and spend and bring in. That might change between now and then. But I'm just thinking to myself, what do I want? And I'm still not 100% sure what I want. I'm, I'm leaning more towards Nick Pope right now, the goalkeeping, uh, shot stopping that, that Jordan said. I don't know. We, we can talk about it, but that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. Uh, I don't know. You it's, an boys interesting point. It's, it's an interesting point, Pete, because in fairness, without going down a whole goalkeeper show, it, it, it's in, and by the way, I'm saying that because I started this. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's, um, it's an interesting one because, you know, back in the day, and we used to have the same thing with strikers, didn't we? Where you would literally be, you know, be talking about a, st- a striker or a goalkeeper or whatever, and you'd go, him, 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 him. Now, it's like, well, Actually, if we did get rid of Nick Pope, and so you raise a good point, like who who out there would you automatically go? Oh, he he'd be better, or he'd be he'd be an upgrade. There isn't there isn't a long list of players, is it? It's like even with Isak, Pete. You know when you you know when when uh, <laughs> we were talking about that earlier, and then you're thinking, who are we gonna get like him? Because you you know you see you know these other clubs like Man United buying in Hoyland and players like that. It's difficult to get a striker to come in and score goals. I mean, even Darwin Nunes, he still can't cement his position at Liverpool. He's still he's still not considered the out and out striker. So really, we touch lucky with Alexander Isak. 
So is it better, you know, better the devil you know? Yeah. Um, Richie just messaged me put uh, uh, Magnan um, from um, uh, from Mason, yeah. yeah. But yeah. like, I, ju yeah. I just think, how much money is that going to cost? It's an expensive deal. Like, are, are we really at that point where we can we can spend 70, <clears throat> 80 million on a goalkeeper? Mm. Like yeah. that, like a Man City, Real Madrid, someone that needs a desperate need for a goalkeeper. I don't think Real Madrid are, but um, you know, someone that's desperate need for a goalkeeper, maybe. But I mean, Real Madrid took He's one of the best. Yeah, they did. I, I think we yeah. need we need we need someone not because we if if we have to want to bring in a ready made replacement it's going to be massive money uh, but I think we need a young keeper to come in because there's going to be a bit of a merry go round with the goalkeepers I think in the summer so I think someone young that can come in and kind of learn the ropes and 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 uh, challenge challenge Pope um, yeah. and take it from there and then if it works out they get the number one slot. If not, then at that stage, we're at the stage, we're at, be at the, be able to pull the trigger and, and uh, bring in a, a more expensive option, let's say, a um, mm -hmm. more established keeper. Yeah. Let's hold that goalkeeper talk for yeah. now. When you're back on, Jordan, we might need yeah. to kind of bring this back in again. Yeah. Well, we yeah. did the questions. We got to, we got to one question. For the one. Yeah, maybe we'll go on to the second one. Um, <laughs> David Cook asked the question. Uh, any details about objections for the fan zone, Jordan? Of course, they're the stacked Ooh. fan zone. Uh, no, I've I've not heard I have not heard anything on that. It, obviously, the plans have been approved, and it'll uh, be built by March next year, I believe. So, if there is any objections, it doesn't matter because it's still going ahead. <laughs> March? Did you say March? Did you say Ooh. Easter? Yeah, it'll be there for Easter. Don't worry. We have to build our own one. It'll be there for Easter. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder what's happening there. We're not, we're not doing a charity match. Oh, I can't run these days. Yes. Yes. Neither can we. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Hey, Jordan, you got months to prepare, fella. Yeah, I know. Well, you've told us now. I need to, go to, need to hit the gym tomorrow. <laughs> but it's coming. Oh, no. It's coming. It's coming. There's one here, um, Dante Soul. I'm going to out him as Oliver B. We are united because I know Dante yeah. Soul has been saying this on tw uh, Twitter. Uh, he's, he's talking about um, the uh, he's in conversation with the box office, and they're saying that uh, there's 4,000 allocated to members for each home game and 30,000 uh, applied for the Dortmund game. And he also says then uh, that we need some transparency on on uh the process here i i know he's been i think he's been talking to the trust as well he's been, he's been on on the 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 on twitter about this as well so um yeah he, he himself he, he's probably uh, he he hasn't had any look in in, in the, the ballot as zero from eight and others are five from eight but yeah and he's asked the question what do we think are and anthony and any thoughts on that from anybody I, I, yeah, I, to be fair, I, I completely agree that there needs to be transparency over how many tickets are being put into a ballot. Um, same with away trips and stuff as well. I, I think the ticketing system has been a total mess from, from the start of the season in terms of obviously changing the to the digital uh, or mobile tickets and, and obviously changes to the people entering the ballot. It's uh, it, it has, it's been a mess. It's a really tricky situation to, to manage, but I think the box office has still got a lot to learn. They must listen to the to fans. 
the trust and just get it right because um, at the minute it can't continue the, the way it is. It, there's too much frustration among the fan base and the way tickets are distributed uh, currently. So, yeah, there needs to be conversations from uh, the, the trust and obviously people are high above uh, me to, you know, to influence that. So I'm interested to hear any concerns on tickets actually because I've been meaning to write a piece on it for a while now. So... If anyone wants to share their experiences, uh, just uh, message me on Twitter and that's something I'll look into. Cool. Cheers, Jordan. Um... <laughs> you, you buzz it now, Jordan. <laughs> you bombarded. <laughs> Bombardment. Hey, Lisa, Lisa's delighted. She won't have to be answering all those questions on, on Twitter now <laughs> for the trust. Um, Lisa and Paul. Jordan will take them going forward. Um, <laughs> where's us? Uh, this question. Uh, at the press conference, who's the mystery heavy breather? I'm on thank you. I've got no idea. I've really got no idea. I didn't, I didn't know there was a heavy breather. Is it not Eddie Ham? <laughs> no idea. That's the um, same. <laughs> there'll just be some guy just there who's like, <sighs> what are they doing in the video? That's me there. Kind of probably combine these two together. Uh, KFT asked, why, and I know you, you guys in the Jordy Journals cover this as well, and, and it, it kind of went viral a bit after that. Then everyone was asking the question why have we signed two young lads and never played them? Uh, should we have brought uh, brought players, um, first, uh, yeah, first team ready uh, players ready to, to slot into the, the first 11? And also, uh, North Humbrian River uh, says, Want to see more from Livermento after his cup game was phenomenal, but not at trip's expense. How do we fix this? Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's, it's a very, very good question. I mean, again, I know you mentioned that we spoke about this on, on Geordie Journals. So I think Livermento looks like a really, really good buy and will ultimately succeed Kieran Trippier in the, in the near future. But when you're talking about improving the team here and now, could they have gone out and spent that? 35 plus million on, on, on someone else or another position that immediately needs strengthen. The same with uh, with Lewis Hall as well. Um so I don't I don't I don't doubt the signings. I think it, it's great that they've went out and signed for the future. And ultimately these players will become top players for the football club. But I think on the here and now, they weren't necessarily the buys that they should have made to immediately improve the team. But look that that was Eddie Howe's decision. If I was Eddie, how I'd want to impact now because look, it's all it's all great signing players for the future. But look, you don't know how these things plan out in, in, in two or three years' time. Eddie, how might not be here when Tune Livermento and Lewis Hall are selling the team. Um, so if I was him, I would have strengthened the squad immediately. But I do see I strengthened the start eleven immediately. But I do I do see the logic behind signing them. They have improved. The squad, but in terms of the media to start eleven, I'm, I'm I'm not sure. Money possibly could have went somewhere else, but um, it is it is what it is, and I suppose yeah, they're, they're very good signings for the future. Do you do you think on that basis, Jordan, that 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 kind of backs up the rumours or you know the supposed um, transfer? Uh, how can I way is it like the transfer strategy at the club? Because I, I kind of pictured, and I think we spoke about this, boys, didn't we, Daz and Pete? I'm sure we did, about how 
you know, we've got a list of targets and, you know, we name every position and like, you know, there's there's people who are high up the list and then people who are in the middle of the list and whatever. And they will probably look at it and go, right, we want a centre-back, we want a striker, we want a right-winger. But say, you know, I don't know, on the left wing where we've already got Barnes and Gordon, etc. If number one on our left wing list becomes available, do we just go in and go bang, get it done? Because this is the guy that we want going forward in the future. And I just wonder whether that's the case with Livermento and Hall and whether it was just a deal that they just couldn't pass up on because they know that they were so happy. They, they, you know, um, say they, they had this list, they were just like, we can't not buy them. Like, we've got to buy them. Do you, do you think that's possibly why they bought those players? Yeah, I think it's it, it's probably a here and now moment. So if you don't sign these players now, can you sign them ever? Um, so I do, I do obviously think that was that came into it, particularly with 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 Livermento. I think you can see from the from the game that he played against Manchester City that probably one good season in the Championship for him, and he would have got a Premier League move next summer. And then the, the money that you've just paid is possibly you know fifty million pound more, ten million pound more than what we've just paid for thirty five million. They've obviously banked on a on a player on his potential. So if the thing about with Livermento, I think he's only. Played, started three games, if that, or maybe even once, and it was a Newcastle against Man City in over 12 months because of that knee injury. Yeah. Um, so they have that, the, I say the bank, the banked on potential, the same with, with Lewis Hall. Obviously, there's a bit of sentimental value around him as well from being a boy of Newcastle fan, um, impressed against Newcastle last season, both home and away. So, if, if I mean, if you look at it, if you look at it for the future, they're potentially signing two future England fullbacks. Yeah. But for the here and now, they're still probably a couple of years away from being permanent starting eleven starters because uh, Kieran Trippier just gets better with age. It's like a fine wine. Is is playing the best football of his career here now. Um, left backs probably a little bit more short term. Yeah, you got some of the best, some of the top creative players in the Premier League. Obviously, De Bruyne is uh, injured at the moment, so he'd probably be in this list somewhere. But James Madison, in particular, has been the highlight of the Premier League, and to have Trippier create more chances than uh, than he has, and Bruno Fernandez for all of his stick, he does create opportunities for Man United. He's probably the only one that does in their midfield, um, and yet Trippier is head and shoulders above them. You know. Trent Alexander-Arnold, he gets lauded as a right-back, not even in there, and and really hasn't played well in a lot of games this season. Um, so, it's, so it's, you know, it's really, really interesting that, he, that he's in there. And like you said, that that, that fine wine, uh, for sure, he, he just gets better and better. I'll just, from my perspective on, on that, is that it's really interesting in the summer, there was lots of people that said that both Livermento's fee and... Um, Lewis Hall's fee was too expensive. Um, from what you boys have said, you're absolutely right, is that we had to get them now at this price because we could potentially be paying double. And that's just the reality. But if we, if, like you said, if Livermento had, had a great season in the championship and Southampton get promoted, they could charge whatever they wanted for him. And it wouldn't be the 32 million that we signed him for. It's the same with Lewis Hall. He's 18. He didn't have a preseason. Pochettino didn't play him, so he's he's like what Willett will be behind, and he will have to take time to develop. We'll see the best of Lewis, uh, Lewis Hall, at the back end of the season, not right now. Um, but when we do see him play and play regular, like 
we'll know why we signed him, just like we did, uh, as Dan said earlier, with Livermento and, and yourself when he did play for Man City. But um, question for you. Um, we talked about signing players. We talked about January. I just wanted to throw this one out there. Uh, Mark Douglas talks about this um, in iSport uh, paper. Uh, Newcastle Everton are... Surely we're not in with Everton again. Surely. Jesus Christ. Among the club interested in Calvin Phillips. Um, is he, would he be a player that you would look at in January, Jordan? I'm not saying are, there, are those links real, but would he be a player, for all of you boys really, would he be a player that you look at in January to try and bring to Newcastle? Um, he, he traditionally plays in that number six position. What 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 are your thoughts about that? Um, if you if you had asked us in the summer, I would have said yes because I need number six. I probably still do, but then if you bring another midfield player, I mean, it probably sounds silly this, but it almost becomes like a really overcrowded area, especially when you get uh, you get. Uh, who's Joe, Joe Willick back from injury? Joe, obviously Joe Linton as well. Elliot Anderson's like emerged as a out and out midfield option. So I think if you if you bring in if you were to bring in Phillips, who who drops out that midfield? It's a really difficult one. Um, all I would say is uh, yeah, in terms of number six, I think I think you'd be ideal. But I think Bruno's probably found a home there, and I think you know the the. Uh, Time frame for Bruno to play higher up the pitch in terms of number eight row. It probably doesn't feel like it's appropriate at the moment. I think where he is, he's he's back to his best. Um in that number six role, Sean Longstaff helped bring out the best in him. You've got a play on Sandro Tonali in there who needs to adapt. And as I say, you've got Joe Linton and Elliot Anderson and uh, Joe Willick also fighting for a place as well. So yeah, if you bring in Phillips, who drops out? That that's the big question for me. I'm I'm not sure. So I would probably at this stage say it's probably not worth a deal. It's probably not worth doing a deal with with uh, with Calvin with Calvin Phillips. Daz, is he a player that you would target for January? Um, but we in the summer we were kind of all saying towards the end of the summer yeah. we need a number six. We need a number yeah. six. We need one. Like he plays number six. Would he be someone that you would look at? Um, yeah, you, you gave me this question at the at the end of the end of the transfer window, and I said, oh, "Yeah, I take him on, on loan at that stage because we where we were." Um, it'd have to be a very very good deal um, or loan um, for me to take him. Uh, he's, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm never, I never get too excited about him, um, and his injury record as well. And I know he's back playing now, um, uh, the all time, or uh, getting a few minutes for City, so. Yeah, he's not not my ideal signing, no. But on on a loan, just to, to make up the numbers, because I'm imagining he's a massive wages as well coming from City. So, not I'd rather go for someone younger and someone that has a better injury record um, than Phillips. Chris, Calvin Phillips, we've talked mm. about him many a time as an option. What what are your thoughts? Yeah, do you know what? Um, I think you boys are right in that. You know, if you'd asked me this question a while back, as I said, yeah, definitely. Do you, know, do you know the thing that we've not spoke about, which concerns me? And somebody said it the other day. I forget who it was. Don't know where I heard it, but I thought it's a good point. You know, and they said that clearly Pep does not fancy him. 
and that concerns me because I think you know we and we, which is mad because now I'm comparing us to Man City and I'm comparing us to you know like Eddie Howe to Pep, but I'm. He's done a no. dance. He's done a dance. He's frozen. Oh, he's, no. Yeah, he's oh, we can hear you. Oh, oh, we can hear you. Hold on. He's he's doing a throw in here. Oh. Um, I think I, I think where Chris, I, I don't know if he's. Oh, he might be back. I think You're where back. Chris might have heard it is um, right. uh, Yaps mentioned it on our watch along uh, when we played Man City. That's probably where I've seen it. That's probably where yeah. I've seen it. He did yeah. talk about it about. Um, a lot of Man City fans don't rate him, don't want him in the team. No. Don't see why he, he's. I mean, Rodri's been out three games. He's 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 barely got a sniff. Um, yeah. and I think that that tells its own story there. Um, but I, you, you're absolutely spot on, Pete. And I think we 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 we're beyond that now. We're beyond that, and I think we're better than that. And if if Pep doesn't like, <laughs> he done it again. <laughs> I tell you what, wherever he is in London, they have they have screwed his internet. That's for sure. Okay, he's back. He's back. He's, he's back. back, he's back. back. I, I, yeah, what I was basically saying was, if Pep doesn't like him, why should we like him? That's that's all I said. Yeah, fair point. Yeah. Um, right. I think we're we're getting towards the end of our um, allocated time with uh, the man himself. He's had a busy period um and he, um obviously jordan from from your perspective massively appreciate you joining us um any have we got maybe one more question to ask him on, on the oh. way out uh yeah to us this one was uh i thought this was funny would you take uh your fellow namesake jordan as in pickford <laughs> i wouldn't but would you take him my jordan no 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 <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, don't, I don't think Jordan Pickford would, uh, would fancy the either. That'd be fair. Uh, I think he would. You think? I'm not gonna lie. No, I, think he'd take it. I do. He's too. I he's too much of a. He's too much of a magnum. I mean, he's he's his magnum blood couldn't couldn't take it. So he would play for in the in the black and white. Uh, uh, you said magnum. I thought you said madam. He's too much of a madam. <laughs> <laughs> Both. I, I, I think he would. I think if we offered him a chance to come to Newcastle, I think he'd take it. <clears throat> but uh, anyway, um, at this point now, uh, uh, we've had you for just over an hour. Um, I can uh, I can stay for a little bit longer if needs be. If, if the show goes on, I'll I'll stay. You've got us talking now. I can't shut up. Ah. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. <laughs> I'm not leaving. <laughs> <laughs> the show goes on. <laughs> Right, we have another question. So, Jordan, and um, yeah, there's a, a conversation going on in the chat as well. And it's about Barnes. Chantel is giving up on him. Uh, I still think personally, Barnes was a waste of money. And Craig Lee says the only sign I question would be Barnes. Uh, Gordon's on fire. Joe Linton, Willock, Isaac, and even Murphy can play left wing. The only left footed right winger we have is Amir, and I'd have spent the Barnes money there. Uh, we have to give him a chance, Barnes. <laughs> I, I see what people are saying myself. Uh, I, I, I would question that signing, but um, we have to give him a chance. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm not gonna sit here and say it was a waste of money because uh, I'd be really, really harsh. Because obviously, he had a really tough start and getting injured, so not ideal situation for him. But I do, I do agree with the 
if the questions around signing two left wingers six months apart, so they went and splashed out forty-five million pound for Anthony Gordon, and then obviously paid I think it was thirty-eight million pound for Harvey Barnes in the exact same position. Um, maybe Eddie House thinking was that Anthony Gordon would move over the right hand side, but I think that's only, that's only happened once, um, which I think was the was it the Brentford game. I think Gordon went across the right hand side. Uh, yeah. If uh, so was on the Barnes on the was it Barnes? yeah Barnes on the left so maybe if Barnes was fit would say Anthony Gordon move over to the right but why why would you move Anthony Gordon out of, out of the left hand position now when he's absolutely flying he's been Newcastle's I think he's been Newcastle's best player of the season so far so um, if it was if Harvey Barnes was fit he wouldn't be getting the team because Anthony Gordon is absolutely flying so I understand the questions around the Barnes signing. I think in isolation, it's a really good signing, but I think we've probably got to reserve judgment until the player is actually fit. And then, you know, we can have this conversation maybe in 12 months' time. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Here's a thing. thing uh, it's not coming from an LB, it's coming from a JB. It says, hmm. when do City get stripped of their titles and relegated with Everton? <laughs> <laughs> Can't come soon enough. We're waiting for that too. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get a new story uh, for LB uh, to have in the mud again. Yeah. That definitely. was fun on Monday, I'm not going to lie. Oh, mate, I, wa- I watched it. I watched it. I thought it was, um, well, LB was squirming. You and you and Lawless were going at it, which was funny. Yeah, you, you marked uh, him really well. Marked Dan yeah. Lawless pretty well. <laughs> yeah, he was, yeah trying so- every, he was trying every angle when he, let's be honest. Some people some thought I talked over him. Some people thought I talked over him, but he does that to everybody else. So I was just giving him a bit of his own medicine, not not <laughs> entertaining any any of his rubbish that he's got to say. And when he started talking about selling his soul, he was he was twerking. He was twerking for the for a Qatar takeover when they had a little tiny link uh, back in January with West Ham. He was like, "We're back." We're coming. We're gonna be the superpower of West Ham, and, and now he's telling us that we're selling our soul. He's having a laugh. He lo- he lost me at nine men as well. Like ten men, I could argue that. Like I, you know, I agree with that. But nine men, I was just like, God. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, are you, you had another topic. Now, now that we have Jordan for a few minutes, you had another topic you wanted to bring up around um, the announcement of the the Euros. Oh, yeah, I was back to click something else. But yes, um, Euro 2028 is coming to St. James's Park. So not only are they um, at Wembley, I think Villa, I think the, the new Everton Stadium, hopefully it would be in championship by then. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a few Dublin other stadiums. Well. What's that? They're coming to Dublin as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dublin. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, is it the Aviva? Yeah, the Aviva Stadium and the Belfast as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, St James's Park. Now, what, what you obviously you wrote a little bit about that, Jordan, as well. What, what do you make of that, and and how big of a decision is that 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 it's at St James's Park? Because we've had Premier League grounds be picked before, and Newcastle not been one of them. Is that significant in your eyes? Yeah, I think it is. I think it probably just signals like signals the ambition of the club that they want to be involved in stuff like that again. Um, Mike Ashley wasn't interested in hosting things like that, um, as we know. So 
think it's a, yeah, it's it's a great thing for the city. Uh, looking forward, to, although it's five years we're really looking forward to it. Um, you know, never, you know, memories back of uh, Euro '96 when uh, when there was football played, and and obviously at St James's Park. Um, it'll just be nice to have a, a home tournament, and you know, hopefully we'll see some big teams at St James's Park. Will be be a really good occasion. Um, we sort of got a feel for a home tournament uh, last time out when obviously a lot of the games were hosted at Wembley, but um, it'll be a different a different ball game, obviously with uh, with uh, obviously stadiums across the UK hosting it. So I think it'll be a really good occasion. Um, really looking forward to it, and who knows, we might see an extended St James's Park by that time as well. Um, you, you, you read us to it, Jordan. Uh, that was one of the questions uh, that David asked. Uh, does Jordan think that the Euro um, 28 mean that no expansion of St James's Park for five years now? And of course, I know Pete, you've the, the other story as well yeah, of uh, extending it by another 13,000 up to 65,000, and uh, the story in the Telegraph. Yeah, I say that I, I think I spoke on you last time that they're looking at it. Um, they've had architectures in trying to find ways as, as to how to extend it. Do you dig down or is the, is the, is the room to extend, obviously, the, the Gallagher end? Um, obviously, we're having strawberry place back and is there a way around the east stand? Um, I know there's obviously uh, listed buildings behind it, but they're exploring every avenue to, to try and uh, expand St. James's Park because they don't want to move away from it. You know, Murdoch Gaduce's quite clearly came out and said that several times that leaving St. James's Park would would feel like you'd, you'd sort of ripped out your heart because it's been the club's home forever. And if, if there's ways to expand it, which I'm sure there is, then I'm absolutely all, all for it. I don't want to see a new stadium. I want Newcastle to be at St. James's Park. It's a really special, special stadium. So, yeah, the, the plans are in place to, to try and extend. They're looking into it. Whether that's done in five years' time, I can't give a definite answer on that, but um, I, certain, I certainly hope so. Because um, you know, demand for tickets, etc. That they need a bigger, they need a bigger stadium. So I'm sure they'll they'll look to expand at the first opportunity. But you know, there's still a long way to go because, let's say, architectures. You've got to find different ways to try and expand it. it. It's probably still quite a long way away. Five years time, who knows? I'm not, I'm not too sure. There's more than enough time to make that change to make the expansion happen within five years. It's yeah. it's just how quickly they can find a solution to it, um, in my opinion. If they can do it quite quickly, maybe by the end of this season, if they can have something in place that can work, and you've talked about architectures have been in and, and had a look. And and let's be honest, that conversation about the expansion is, is becoming more regular. So it's clearly something of a topic of conversation within the club in how they can make it work. If they can get something solid, They've got the time to get it done, ready for for you know twenty twenty eight, which would be amazing um, to get that done. But yeah, um, good then question. Just the added factor into that, like for them to do those works, because I imagine that they wouldn't be able to get all a, a massive project like that done over the summer period. It's people would then have to give up their seat. or we be at a, at a reduced capacity while those works going on now? It would be for the greater good because we're going to have more in there then, but. It's, that would be a bone of contention as well, I'm sure. Well, what can you do? Yeah, definitely. Interesting um, as well, boys, just to add in before we move on. Uh, I noticed on that Euro 2028 schedule, there was no Anfield or Old Trafford, which yeah. I thought was very interesting. 
Old Trafford, I'm not surprised about. Um, no, we we went there a few years ago, didn't we? When um, when Ronaldo made his debut, well, second mm. debut. Um, we've been uh, we've been there a few times, and it's it's really not a good stadium. Like mm. that needs a proper revamp. And if you're getting international fans from all over, it's an iconic stadium because people know about it, but it's not nice to be in. Um, Anfield, I am maybe a little bit surprised about because they've got work being done to it to expand it. Um, I do have issues of, with the away end of how tight and and uh, the, the experience I had the last time I was there, the policing around it was poor. Um, yeah. But I imagine they'd have that sorted out. So I'm, I am surprised about that because that is going to be like sort of a 60,000 plus seat stadium when it when it's done, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I just, I just mean I, I totally agree with you on Old Trafford. By the way, people, it's just, it's just mad when you look at the size of the two clubs. Like you could argue Man City, Man, uh, sorry, the Man United and Liverpool, arguably historically two of the biggest clubs in the whole country, mm. and they're not even considered. It just kind of shows you how times are changing. Yeah, yeah. Luton Villarreal. wasn't considered either, which is surprising. Yeah. Who, sorry? No, I'm joking. I said Luton. Luton Towns. Oh, Luton. Luton. Yeah. Pete and myself had a conversation about it before, before the start. Oh, oh did he say Luton? Oh, my God. Yeah. I thought you said Liverpool again. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. No. I think I thought. Luton. Luton. Yeah. You got, we've got Hinkley United that are local here. Um, I, I'd, I'd probably rather take theirs than Luton. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Jeez. Bad. But um, I think they're they're all the they're all the kind of the major points um, here. Maybe the last one, um, and we've kind of touched on it with Anthony Gordon. But you know, Anthony Gordon for England, long staff for England. Where do you see their kind of long term international futures? Do, do you see those boys getting picked up for England at some point? Maybe this season we've got the November international breaks, we've got the March, obviously in the build up to to the Euros. Can you see those boys being? picked up into those squads uh, in the next two call-ups, in your opinion, Jordan? I th yeah, I think Anthony Gordon's probably just a matter of time. Uh, if you look at his England background, obviously came through the youth system, I'd say the youth system, obviously I think he's played for every age group in England, Anthony Gordon, and, and the way Gareth Southgate works, having obviously managed the under-21s himself, likes to promote from within. So I think Anthony Gordon will get an England call-up probably by the end of the season if he continues in uh, the same form. Sean Longstaff's a bit of a, a bit of a different one. Now, do I personally believe he should be called up for England? Yes, absolutely. Because I look at that midfield area at the minute. Jordan Henderson has pretty much went to a retirement home over in, in Saudi Arabia. So I think he's probably got one tournament left before he drops out of the picture. Um Conor Gallagher getting in. Okay, I probably understand Conor Gallagher because there's a, there's a potential there. I don't think he's currently performing consistently, but there is a player there. And then the other obvious ones, Calvin Phillips, who isn't playing for Manchester City yet, still gets call up. So if you look at that midfield area, if you're looking at uh, one of the informed English midfielders, it's Sean Longstaff. And what Sean Longstaff brings here, I, I think he brings something different that England midfield. No one in that England midfield can match Sean Longstaff's physical endurance, energy in the way he presses. So I think. Asked Eddie how about it at the Friday's press conference actually about uh, Sean Longstaff. You know, is it real realistic ambition for Sean Longstaff to to be called up for England? And Eddie how said that he thinks he's good enough to do it, and I and I agree. Um, so I I don't know. I think I think it's harder. 
because in that position, uh, Southgate clearly has his favourites. He's calling up the same midfielders all the time. Um, but if Sean Longstaff continues to perform, look, if he if he's performing on the Champions League stage and playing for a club that's in the top six, of the Premier League, how how can he be ignored? He can't. So he's just he's just got to continue to do what he's doing. And I, and I think uh, hopefully he'll end up he end up getting one. Um, the, the only difference I think between Longstaff and Gordon is, as I mentioned there, Gordon has came through the England setup. Whereas mm-hmm. if, I don't know if anyone actually knows, I didn't know this till actually a few weeks ago. But Sean Longstaff has never represented England at youth level. Yeah. Wow. Come to Ireland, come to Ireland, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, yeah, to, yeah. The, to answer the question, I think both players should be in with a shout. But I think Gordon's will probably come before Longstaff. He's, he's better than that uh, Jude Bellingham fellow anyway, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he's a perfect foil for him. Let Jude Bellingham get forward and yeah, do the business. Do the stuff. Yeah. Just a bit like like Bruno and like we let our other midfielders, Joe Linton, go and let you go and do your business further forward. I'll just hear I'll just be here and mop up uh, and do and do the rest of it. Sean Longstaff has played uh, uh, regularly at a higher level than Calvin Phillips. Probably scored more goals. I don't know the stats on that. And has regularly had better performances over a longer period of time now. You're talking going into his second year of performing yeah. at a high level than Calvin Phillips has. Calvin Phillips is still living off one season. He had a great Euros where we should have really won it, England. Uh, and he did play really well in that tournament. So maybe that's the only thing that he's got over Longstaff right now. But at club level, longevity, for me, Longstaff is outperformed. Calvin Phillips. Um, and I do think he would deserve that, but it goes back to the point that Jordan said. Gareth Southgate likes to choose players that have come through the ranks. And that's why I'm surprised Anthony Gordon wasn't called up, because I thought he would be showing off the back of that. He likes to bring players through the through the uh, the 23, the 19s, 23s, and beyond. Um, so I agree. I think he will get called up at some point, but Sean Longstaff deserves his flowers too, as does when he's back playing, Joe Willett. Joe Willett deserves off his last season form, deserves to be considered for England, because I think he's got a lot to offer, but um, yeah, um, again, it'd be an ongoing conversation, that's for sure. I've got uh, another good question here for Jordan, but first I want to say uh, thanks to Craig Lee for becoming a member. Thanks very much, Craig. And we have one of these uh chat <laughs> Zelda. Zelda. you'll never guess who it's from <laughs> if i said if i said there's no comments in it you never guess who it's from uh, it's, it's from our friend colin colin who never puts colin. in a comment but thanks colin thanks for the Thank you, colin. now the question for for jordan and it comes from david r and it says jordan <laughs> Do you expect us to finish above Spurs, who are currently sitting top of the pile? They have done very well, but uh, very kind opening fixtures. One game a week also helps them for sure. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a tough question, that because look, Spurs have uh, Spurs have surprised me away at the start of the season. To be honest, uh, when when they appointed Ange Postecoglou, I, I thought it was a <laughs> Probably quite arrogantly, I thought I thought it was a poor appointment. Um, looking at his managerial background, but um, fair play to him. He's he's done done an incredible job, having sold Harry Kane 
you immediately think, oh, that puts Tottenham on the back foot, but they've actually looked better for it. Um, James Madison like, has transformed that Spurs team, really. It's an uh, incredible signing. Could have been could have been Newcastle. Um, don't, Jordan, don't. don't. <laughs> he wanted to go to Spurs in the end, and uh, I suppose his own personal decision so far uh, has been justified because... Um, they claim music. You <laughs> He's sort of a typical Tottenham number number ten. Um, so yeah, I, I mean it's a very good point with the one game a week. I do think Spurs will, will benefit from that. Um, I said at the start of the season, I, I think I think it'll be difficult for Newcastle to to get top four, just with the games that the extra games that will have. Um, I think for me, a good season for Newcastle is um, another another cup run. By looks at hopefully getting out of the group in the Champions League uh, and finishing within the within the top six. I think as long as you guarantee yourself in Europe again next season, I think it's a I think it's a very good season. So where Tottenham fall in that to the finish in the in the top four, at this stage I would I would say yes, but you don't know how these things play out. There's still a long way to go. Tottenham quite easy could be become the Tottenham that we're all used to over the last couple of seasons. Um, but at this moment, you you probably got to say that Tottenham will finish above Newcastle, but. As I say, I'm going to sit on the fence because it's really, really difficult to, to sit and say that now. Cool. Cheers, Jordan. There's a follow-up question here that's that's good one and uh, people in the chat are recognising as well. We've also started and this is for us all, I guess. Question for all the lads. We're seven points behind first place. I'm not saying we're going to win the league, but are we in a position to challenge? Chris, we'll go to you first. I knew you were going to say this. I knew you were going to ask me. Um, oh, 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 I was going to do me. Uh, I was going to do something internet gone then. Um, do you know what? Just to follow up very quickly on what uh, Jordan just said about Tottenham. Like, I think, I forget which show I said it on, but Tottenham have been very fortunate. Someone in the chat said very fortunate with fixtures and very fortunate with the amount. I'd love someone, if someone in the chat can do it, please do it. I'd love to know how many players they've used this season because they've been very fortunate as well with injuries. Like they, they basically use the same team. Um, and I think as soon as you take out a Son or a Basumer or a Madison or someone like that, I think that's where they'll come unstuck. Plus, with the fixtures getting more difficult. So I believe I, I believe we we can still finish above Tottenham. But to answer Lee's question, um seven points behind first place. Yeah, do you know what? I, I've been surprised by how resilient we've been this season. And I actually think, you know, especially on the one we've been on, and we, we've talked about the PSG game and how big, it, how big a result it was and how we're coping. And I think, you know, as we said at the start of the show, once Joe Linton's back, once Willick's back, um, once Wilson's properly back, um, we've got lots and lots of options. Uh, available to us and that's without the likes of Harvey Barnes and possibly Lewis Hall coming in and Livermento coming in and we see even more squad rotation um, I too like Lee, I'm not saying we're going to win the league because <laughs> I think that would be going a, a bit too far um, but I, I, I over the past couple of weeks I've grown even I've grown far more confident that we can actually challenge for top four again this season whereas I did actually think before the season started we were going to struggle and then obviously against Aston Villa, I was like, "Oh my God, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be incredible," and then we went on that difficult run. But now we've passed that. So to answer Lee's question, I think we will challenge for top four. Whether we will be in that top bracket, which I think will contain 
uh, Man City and Arsenal. I don't know. Fair enough. Pete, go to you next. Um, I've said it before and I'll say it again. We will be competitive this season. I've got no doubt about it. We will be competitive for Champions League football. There's a high chance that fifth place gets to Champions League football this season too. And I think anywhere between seventh and fourth would be a very good season for Newcastle, juggling Champions League and other competitions too. Where I think it will finish, I think it'll probably be around the fifth spot, fifth, sixth spot. Um, and fifth gets to Champions League. I genuinely do. I think I've said it before, I'll say it again. If we can navigate ourselves between now and November, um, December, if we can navigate ourselves well between now and the end of the Champions League group phase and still be within the top eight, top seven at that point in the season, I think the second half of the season, we will be massively competitive. I really, really do. And that's without us improving in January. And I think that could potentially be the difference between us getting Champions League and not. We are higher and more competitive now than I kind of expected us to be with that start in the season. And yeah. we've turned it around. We've got some big results. Not only are we competitive in the league, we're competitive in the Champions League. And we've managed to be able to juggle both. We're a minute yeah. or two away from getting a win at West Ham, which have, would have catapulted us up to seventh place, a point behind the likes of Brighton and Villa. And we would have been right in the mix. Right in the mix. Pete, just to counteract your, your, your answer very, very quickly, and I'm not putting you on the spot here, but because I was thinking this the other night myself, if Newcastle were to finish fourth or fifth, uh, sorry, fifth or sixth, who are the four clubs that are going to finish above them? Because for me, I don't think Man United are going to be anywhere near top four. This will be the first, this will be the first ever season we finished above Man United. I'm, I feel confident in that. Um, uh, and Daz, I know you talked about it last season about being that first time that we finished above them. I think this will be the season. Uh, for me, I think, uh, in my opinion, um, Man City, well, this is not about position, by the way. I think Man City will finish above us. I think Arsenal will finish above us. I think Liverpool will finish above us. And then there's one other uh, potential. Now, that's not to say that we don't finish fourth. We could potentially finish fourth. Um, but if there was one other that potentially finishes above us, I maybe would say Tottenham, just for the fact that they're not in Europe. Um, and they have surprised me as well. But mm. as you've said, and I said on 12th man as well, so I, I'm with you 100%, Chris. Um, Madison gets injured. Son gets injured. They're a different team. They're not the same team. They have been the difference makers. Uh, so maybe they they will finish above us based on the fact that they've they've got more time to prepare a bit like we were last season. Yeah. But I still think we've got a chance of finishing fourth. Yeah, Jordan, back to the question for you. Um, where was it now? From Lee G, I think it was though. Oh, for somebody yet yeah, this is it here. Um, what's your thoughts here, Jordan? No, I don't think they'll challenge the, for the title, but I think yeah, they'll challenge the top four. Got no doubt about it. Um, I think that the title now, I mean, it's still, it's still early days. They might get themselves in a position where they're maybe four or five points behind the leaders at some point. If you count, if you want to class that as a title challenge, and yeah, but I, I think sort of overall 
pitch, I think uh, the top four will be, will be the aim this season again. For me, um, I think the wheels, a lot of people are saying the Jazz, well, I think the wheels will come off for Spurs later on in the season. I think we'll finish ahead of Spurs. I think it, it will be Arsenal, Man City, Liverpool, and then us in either fourth or fifth. That's where I think uh, we'll finish. And hopefully enough to guarantee his Champions League then. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it for the questions. Um, uh, you know, ask this one though. If City got, uh, get found guilty and Pep is true to his word, would Newcastle try and get Pep as manager? And there's also some people talking about England going for Eddie Howe in that scenario. I can't see that happen. Eddie Howe is the man. Eddie Howe is the man. How? On, honestly, though, if Eddie Howe was to leave for whatever reason, I, I'd, I'd be saying, hey, whatever you need to get Pep to the club. For me, he's the greatest manager and will be probably down as the greatest manager of all time, um, surpassing Alex Bergson, in my opinion. I well, think I don't think that would be the case, but I, I genuinely think that will he, he will do that. Um, do you think he would like to try and do it again in England, Pete? As if to kind of because we know Pep loves you know the whole bravado. He says he doesn't, but he loves it. Do you think Pep would love to come to Newcastle to see it as a challenge to go? I can win stuff with City and I can win stuff at Newcastle. Do you think he would be up for it? Is what I'm asking. Hundred and ten percent. There's a reason why. I think I tweeted it out after after we beat them. There's a reason why he always talks up Newcastle United. He loves Newcastle United. Like he respects Newcastle United and he respects them because he played under Sir Bobby Robson. So he knows what the club and the city um and the region means to the manager that he played up he played he played under. Um and uh, very, very similar to Jose Mourinho. And I, I think he looks at Man City and he and he uh, admires what he's done and what they've achieved. But I think the club um, is hollow to a point. I think the fan base is hollow to a point. And he looks at the packing. He looks at the, the 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 love that we have for our city, for the region, for the fans, for the club, everything. And he wants to be a team that has that. He had that at Barcelona. He had that fan base, that love of, yeah. of their club. Yeah. He sees Newcastle as that. And I think he would love nothing more Inside, secretly, he won't tell anybody. Uh, but in my opinion, I don't think he would look. I think he would love nothing more than to bring a trophy to Newcastle. Uh, uh, you know, it, it, you know, to to kind of toast to to Sir Bobby Robson that he's achieved it. I also think Jose Mourinho feels the same. Yeah, but I'm with you, boys. You know how I feel about Eddie Howe. I would love nothing more than Eddie Howe to be the first English manager to uh, to raise the Premier League. I think it'd be an yeah. absolute proper statement. Just breaking news there as well, and it's a comment here. A comment here from uh, David R. With all this talk about Eddie Howe in England, what about Wales? He's saying he'd be happy for it to see Eddie Howe go to Wales as well. So don't rule that out. He's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> David R. David R. Not going anywhere. Eddie's um, going nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> he ain't leaving. Um, wow. Right. I think we could probably bring it to a close. We have to do the draw. Uh, we do the yes. draw now. Yeah, yeah. Let's do the draw. If Jordan's okay to stay on for another minute or two. Yeah, I want to. I want to see who wins. Yeah. It's, exciting, it's an exciting thing, and I mean the spinny wheel is like something else. Um, Can you miss out if you dropped off Jordan? You would miss out. 
Oh, here we go. Yeah, see you, chat. Yeah, we're on, right. mate. Here it goes. £50 voucher for the Newcastle Club Shop. Mm. Who's that? Gally. 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 That's going to be very Gally. easy to track down Gally. <laughs> <laughs> if you're watching Gally, get in touch. Get in touch. Congratulations. Congratulations. Well, by the way. Brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff, Gally. It's not Paul Gallant, is it? No, Paul, Paulie G's in there as as Yeah, yeah, but no, also nice to see someone some different. Uh, we're, we're, we're sick, sick of seeing Carl win. Carl wins everything. Yeah, uh, <laughs> 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 um, right, it's uh, just a quick shout out to our sponsors as well uh, before we wrap up. Just uh, shout out to the Radiator dot com and Russ's Rads. And all the lovely radiators, which should be nice and handy and cozy. You'll need them now coming into the winter. So check those those out if you need some radiators. If you need them installed, uh, you can use his other company, the Installworks. And you come in the loaded van. Do you have a Jordy Jonas van, Jordan? No, 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 Jordy Jonas. Okay, okay. Get onto it, Kennedy. Liam Kennedy, get onto it. Um, right. Also, a shout out to H2O Bathroom Design Co., the Northeast's largest supplier of Valkyrie and Botch bathroomware. Team Valley Gateshead, over 20 years established, ran by the family. Get down to the showroom on 11th Avenue, Team Valley Estate, Gateshead. And uh, yeah, some of the lovely bathrooms in the showroom there. Go check those out if you're in the market for anything bathroom related. That's it for our sponsors. Brilliant stuff tonight. Jordan, absolutely top man for coming on. Pleasure to have you. You know you're always welcome back whenever uh, whenever you're available. I know it's been crazy busy. And uh, if you haven't as well, check out Newcastle United, um, Newcastle World, um, and as well, Jordy Journals on YouTube. Um, pleasure as always, uh, top man. And hopefully uh, we'll be back uh, in, in a few weeks' time um, to talk more wins and Newcastle flying up the table as well. But, uh, yep, absolutely top stuff, mate. Uh, there it is, Jordy Jonas. Give, well. give them a sub, and they are... Wow, wow, is it very nice? Very nice, <laughs> very nice. <laughs> Love it. Uh, yeah. Right, let's end the show on the how. How'd you like that? Good night, everyone. Take care, guys. How you like? Don't, 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 don't